Welcome back to Agent Investor, inspiring stories of active agents investing in real estate and building passive income. In a business where potential deals are all around you, why not leverage your skills to invest for yourself, your family, and your future? And now, let's jump into the latest episode of Agent Investor. All right, guys, welcome to Agent Investor, the only brand that helps real estate agents get off the real estate roller coaster. If you're a real estate agent, who's a little bit concerned about what 2023 might bring. If you're like me, if you were a real estate agent back in the day and had your income going up and down and up and down, and you were worried about when your next commission check was going to come in, this show is for you. We're going to help you and show you how to get off that real estate roller coaster. Again, I know how it feels because I was that agent back over 10 years ago. Since then, by investing in real estate, I fixed and flipped over a thousand homes, built an over 300 unit rental property portfolio. I'm in the process of building a few hundred new apartments and have built an over 350 person real estate brokerage, all because I've invested in real estate. And today we have a special guest on today, a very exciting guest, our CFO, Kevin Brown. And as I was thinking about introing him and thinking about you know what value we're going to deliver to you guys and why this is important for real estate agents that want to get off the real estate roller coaster, I couldn't help but think back to kind of the beginning phases of when I started to invest in real estate and read that book that you've all read, that purple book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And in Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki talks about the importance of accounting, the importance of setting up your books right, knowing your numbers, having to make sure that you've got the right accounting and tax set up. So by listening to Kevin today, we're going to talk about the importance of knowing your numbers, how he's helped to facilitate us knowing our numbers. We're going to talk about how to find the right tax professionals so that you make sure that you're getting all of the tax benefits that are afforded to you through real estate. We're gonna talk about what he does within our business, but also take it a few steps back and talk about how you should be setting up your accounting and tax team from the very beginning. Um, so Kevin, let's jump right into it. Let's talk about your background. So how did you get into this wonderful world of accounting that I started my career in too, right? I was a CPA back in the day. How did you get into accounting? Uh, you know, what's really uh, interesting for me about that is that um, growing up, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So uh, I always had uh, businesses uh, from the time I was 13, you know, on. And uh, I went to Babson College, which was leading the, the country. And I think they might have been the only one that had an entrepreneur um, degree. And uh, my father said to me, yeah, don't do that. Um, instead, play it safe. Uh, this was so, you know, rich dad, poor dad here. Um, play it safe and get your accounting degree. And you'll always be able to find a job. Yep. And that job will pay the bills. So uh, so I listened to my dad and I got my accounting degree uh, and then got a job. Uh, I worked for eight years with the, the big firms, KPMG and Arthur Anderson, doing 
financial audits and um, business valuations and litigation consulting. Um, and then I met with a partner one day and I said, I, I can't do this anymore. Um, I actually want to get in and start helping people build companies. Mm-hmm. So uh, instead of being the actual entrepreneur, I helped entrepreneurs. So that was sort of my my middle ground. And uh, and I went into, you know, operating companies, which was uh, during the dot com era. So uh, my first three were all high tech, early stage VC backed companies. Now, are you purposely trying to date yourself right now? Uh, I am to some degree okay. to show you that I've been around a long time and I've seen a lot. Yeah. Um, and as you know, I don't know if you can tell, but the gray here and the lack of here, I'm sure helped that as well. Yeah. Um, but we did that, sold those companies, then went into, uh, I, w- I didn't even drink coffee at the time. And I went in to work for a coffee company, thought I'd be there for a year and jump back into high tech. And I was there for 10 years. Um and we took a company from losing a couple of million dollars a year to making 20 million during that time and eventually sold it to uh, Aramark mm-hmm. uh, for lots of money. Went, uh, went to the next thing, which was a CFO of another two early stage high tech companies, which we sold, and then went into a marketing company, <clears throat> which we sold. And then I did my CFO. Uh, my fractional CFO consulting gig, which is how I met you guys. Now, these companies aren't selling just to get away from you, are they? uh, No. I mean, they were all pretty happy. They Uh, definitely sold, right? They didn't just tell you that they were selling? No, they sold. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so uh, really, uh, I didn't stick with one thing. I was in a lot of different things. And most of the stuff I was with, I was actually working with entrepreneurs, people that um, you know, we're risk takers, but um, very smart in what they were doing and, and built businesses. So um, that's kind of what I love to be around. Yeah. And one thing I want to say, because, you know, your background is impressive. And for a lot of people that are that are listening, I want to be very clear about this. Um, Kevin's our CFO. Most of the people that are listening to this will never have a CFO, and that's completely okay. Um, we want to talk about accounting kind of in like... I, I, the way I think about it, like from our business is like every year it gets a little bit like incrementally better and it's helping us make better decisions in our business. And I think for a lot of people, when they read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and they hear about how important accounting is, then they start working for themselves and it just becomes like a chore. It's like, okay, you know, in the beginning, a lot of times you're not even keeping books Right. And then all of a sudden somebody says, hey, you got to get your taxes done. And all of a sudden you have to do a whole year's worth of books in like no time. And it becomes this thing where it's more of something that you look at as a negative than something that can actually grow your business. So from the perspective of like working with us, how would you kind of look at what's changed since you've gotten here and how accounting can actually help people grow their business? Um, Well, you know, first. I would say I've worked in companies where um, accounting wants to create all these rules and processes, and and it makes it more difficult for the operators to actually build the business. In my mind, that shouldn't be the role of accounting. So you should figure out how to best operate the business, and then accounting should figure out how to get the, the books and records done 
within that because uh, you got to build the business first or you don't have anything. Um, so, you know, accounting plays lots of different roles. I mean, you can't, um, I don't, you're always going to have lots of red, shiny apples is what I say. You're, the opportunities are out there. People are always going to bring you opportunities. If you can't find opportunities, I think you're not looking hard enough. Yeah. So the question is, you know, which one do you take advantage of? And um, and then, you know, early on, you got to stay focused on those. So you can't then do three more when you haven't done the first one yet. Mm -hmm. um, so you got to you got to stay focused on one shiny apple at a time. And uh, accounting will help you analyze those deals and forecast out those deals and see what the cash flow is going to look like and when you should be able to take a, a bite of another shiny apple. Um, if you don't have good data in front of you, I don't know how you're making those decisions because they will all sound good until you really dig in and start start doing the numbers. Yeah, and I think... Um... You know, speaking from someone, you know, who is sale, more sales and entrepreneur oriented than accounting oriented. Um, I know that at least for me, and I think a lot of people are, this is going to resonate with a lot of the people who are listening. It's like, you feel like your gut feeling a lot of times is fact, but then when you actually start looking at numbers, sometimes that can prove to be incorrect. I think that's one of the biggest things that has changed since you've come on board with us is like, we may think we're having a good year or a bad year or doing a good deal or a bad deal. And then when it's out there, like black and white, there isn't really a lot of like feel to it. And I think good business owners and entrepreneurs, they get a good feel for their business. And a lot of times they're probably making the right decision, but they're not necessarily always knowing. And then another thing that I think is so important that we do, and, and I don't mean to jump all over the place, but um, that we have we now have the difference between not looking back to say, okay, let's do all of our accounting in year end and see how we did, but we're actually looking on a month to month basis. And then we're also tracking the metrics that drive our business and we're looking at those every single week. So can you speak to, to that kind of a little bit and how that plays a role in our business and how you feel it should play a role in anybody's business? Uh, sure. So uh, the weekly metrics uh, stuff that we do, uh, that is, you know, we have a plan uh, that we set forth. Really, we have an annual plan, but then we, we do a quarterly. And uh, as an example, we might say, this is how many homes we want to buy and sell in the next three months. And we'll have some metrics around that as far as dollars spent, dollars taken in. But, but really, the driver of that might be the sales team and going out there and closing deals. Well, how do they close a deal? Well, go one step back. It's how many uh, deals did they go on and what percentage do we think they'll close? And you go a step back further as well. How do those appointments get set up? Well, there's marketing dollars that are sent. So there's there's drivers of just getting those original phone calls that you need in order to get to closing some deals. And so, you know, we found, hey, on a weekly basis, that's something people are doing every single day. 
is they're talking to people on the phone. Let's track that. And we know from past history that they have to make X amount of phone calls will turn into X amount of closed deals. So we track that on a weekly basis because that's the driver of the business. And this is where, as as a CFO, you're talking and you're you're going to talk about some stuff that maybe isn't where people are at today, but maybe it's where they'll be at two or three years down the road. However, KPIs are things that pretty much every real estate agent can and should track immediately. And we're actually doing a five week free, you know, basically business planning clinic where at the end of the five weeks, all throughout January, there's five Tuesdays in January. We're going to be walking you guys through how to actually create these weekly KPIs. This is something that you, it's, it would be great to have a CFO or a full-time accountant in your business to help you do this. But this is, this is an example of something that we're talking about today that you should all be implementing. And again, to kind of put my own personal spin on this, this is stuff that Bill, my partner, who's also a CPA, used to want me to do three or four years ago. And it's the stuff that like I hated doing. Because I felt like in my own head, well, slowing down to track your numbers is kind of a waste of time. But, you know, again, you know, the older I get, the more I realize that you've got to look at this stuff and looking at it on a weekly basis is is super important. Um, Well, it helps us also forecast our cash flow, right? As everybody knows, cash, you know, I know everyone says it, cash is king, but really cash flow is, is allowing you to continue to invest in more things. And so if your weekly numbers are not on track, then you're not gonna have that cash flow, at least in your forecast, coming in. So that's gonna delay another deal. And I think where it comes into play too is like, if your numbers are better or worse and you're looking at that every week, it allows you to make quicker decisions. And sometimes like you need to make quicker decisions than you're probably making. Like if you're making a decision six months after there's a problem, that's a problem. You may not be able to correct at that point versus being like, oh, the last four weeks have been super low for some metrics that's that's very important. We need to correct this immediately. And if you can't correct the revenue, then you've got to cut the expenses. Um, Yeah, there's not a lot of uh, math here. No. (laughs) So, um, but but it's nice knowing the math. So I want to talk, you know, we've kind of got like three parts to our business. We have, you know, the fix and flip business, then we have the brokerage business, then we have the, um, you know, the apartment-based business, which has the capital raising component to it. Um, And I want to talk because, again, people here, while they love to know how you do the debits and credits, the more important thing is like, how you add value to the business and how accounting adds value to the business. So specifically say, you know, in the fix and flip business, what type of metrics are we tracking? What are we looking at? And how does accounting and having the right accounting make us better? Yeah, um, so it is imperative that you, um, you have each individual project accounted for separately, right? You're not gonna, uh, you're not going to make money on every project. You hope to, but uh, you know I don't know anyone that's that's never lost money on you know some purchase that they did or, or investment that they did. So you you got to know which one lost, which one made. So uh, to start off, 
you know, QuickBooks Online is a very simple tool. And, uh, you know, it's anywhere between $40 and $50 a month type of thing. You can set up each project in there. And as long as you're tracking all of the ins and outs. So if you've got income from rental, great. Put it in there as your income. On your monthly basis, you're tracking your outflows. You're not going to have uh, a lot of income, uh, right, other yeah. than until the sale. So you really want to track all the specific costs, whether it's your mortgage payments, your interest payments, um, your construction fees, your you know all of that stuff. And the thing that can really that we track very closely here is the renovation cost and the holding time. And I think the holding time is where uh, those are two things you can control, but the holding time seems to be where people can slip. So. Mm-hmm. You, you let it go a little bit longer, but every month you let it go, you have interest, you have, uh, you know, utilities, insurance, et cetera. And those things, I mean, that all that does is eat into your profit. So it doesn't help at all going longer on a project. Nope. You know, the, the quicker you can flip these, the better, the more profit you have, the more profit, the more cash flow, the more you can invest in the next one. And so tracking those things very closely. So one of the things we did here was we got a new software system that will start to really track the home throughout all the steps and the processes. And we made it easy for people with a mobile part of that so they can go in and and we know when things are taking longer than they should. So again, this this is probably falls under the category of like, most of you aren't gonna be here yet. And some of the stuff, like when we look at what we should be focused on, you always have to look at, you know, what are the top three to six company things that are going to move the needle in your company? And for some of you, like building a software like this is not going to make sense. But um, talk a little bit about like how you develop that software, what, you know, what the software was, and again, like how it's helping us. Um, When I first got here, one of the original questions I asked was, you guys had this thing called deal board, which was really, it was a, a database, but you couldn't really do much with it. It just tracked all the deals into, these are the things we're waiting to buy. These are the things that are under construction. And these are the ones that we're done and we're waiting to sell. But when I said, okay, from a timing perspective, can you add all that up and tell me when these things are going to sell? and how much money we're going to take it so I can build a cash flow. There was no easy way to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we couldn't really forecast anything out. And so, uh, and then the other thing that would happen is every time I would ask a question about why a deal maybe uh, either lost money or uh, didn't make as much money as we wanted, there was a lot of anecdotal information like, oh, yeah, I remember that one. I think that was because we had a permanent, but we couldn't pinpoint anything. We couldn't go right to something and say, this is what happened. Mm-hmm. And so um, we researched a lot of different systems. And the one that we landed on was something called Smart Sheets. And uh, you know, it allowed us to be able to create tables uh, you know, in sheets that kind of look like a big Excel spreadsheet. But then we can run all different reports off of it. 
We can create as many columns as we want. We can assign things to people. Um, and so it allowed us to design a system that works specifically the way we do and run our business. Yeah. Um, which, which to me is huge because I've seen other people try to buy ready off the shelf software and then apply their business to how the software runs. Mm -hmm. That doesn't usually work. So the fact that you can manipulate something so that it works within how you run your business, I do think that's an important piece. Yeah. And so, you know, we're talking about, you know, how this is probably more advanced than kind of people on the call. And, and with everything that you do in your business, right, it's, it's incremental. Like you're laying, you're building a house brick by brick. In the beginning, you know, it might be as simple as just making sure you have a separate bank account for your real estate business yep. and making sure that you have QuickBooks online and making sure that you have KPIs that you look at on a weekly basis. Like those are all things that if you're not doing those things, you could easily do them starting basically tomorrow. But your accounting, to me, it's no different than every other part of your business. And you want to make sure that you're improving every area of your business because any big weaknesses in your business are going to cause you problems. And, you know, Kevin mentioned, you know, just us knowing stuff anecdotally, like, oh, I think that's why that happened versus like, this is what's happening. And now we're actually able to say, oh, this is going to be a problem two or three months into the future rather than trying to figure out after the fact. So let's switch gears to, to kind of the brokerage. Like what are the key metrics that we're looking for? Probably a little bit more of a simpler business. What are the metrics that we're looking at in the brokerage? And what, what to you about the accounting in the brokerage is important? Uh, with, the, with the brokerage, uh, it's certainly a little different. We have a, another system that is specifically designed uh, for the brokerage. And, uh, you know, that can be somewhat complicated because you, you may have different deals with uh, different agents or different caps and things. So having the system be able to do all of that is great. Uh, what we're able to do now is uh, on a weekly basis, we download all the information from there. And uh, we designed a, a very simple uh, lookup in Excel, and we can learn who our top agents are. Uh, not that you didn't know it already, but it's, it's nice to verify that and not just anecdotal, but um, you know who the top agents are, who the ones that maybe need some help, um, are, how much our, you know, money we're making off of each one. Um, so we can manipulate, again, that data, average selling prices of homes we can look at, how many homes have been selling. We can see trends. Uh, we can look at all, all of that type of data to help us forecast out and know where we've got to spend more time. Hey, everyone. This is Tom Caffarella. I want to quickly interrupt the podcast to, number one, thank all of my loyal listeners of the Agent Investor Podcast and tell you guys really quickly about an exciting event we have coming up. Uh, it's a two-day event. It's called the Passive Income Real Estate Investor Event um, that you can find out more details at PassiveIncomeEvent.com. We're going to be doing a two-day training session teaching all of the agents and all of the investors at the event on how to achieve financial freedom through real estate. If you're like me and your goal 
is to not work 80, 100 hours a week grinding, selling real estate, flipping homes. Um, definitely check out this event. We're going to teach you how to build a passive income portfolio so that you can retire, so that you can work when you want, how you want, and ultimately achieve financial freedom. So again, go to PassiveIncomeEvent.com for more details. And we look forward to seeing you at the upcoming event. And then we look, you know, from the brokerage level, probably the number one variable on profitability is just simply agent count. And, um, you know, we look at that and we track that every single week. We look at that number to say, hey, you know, are we growing? Are we shrinking? What's happening there? I look at the brokerage kind of being a more simpler business, just overall, a lot less moving parts than like the fix and flip, especially on the accounting side. Um, and then let's talk about like the the long-term buy and hold, you know, building apartments, modeling out the profit and losses there, raising capital. How are we using accounting for those? Uh, yeah, so this, uh, again, these are larger projects, typically when you're talking about the apartment buildings, uh, much longer term. Our, our flips sort of probably within an average of six months uh, type of thing. Uh, you know, listings can be a month you know, two months, but these could be a year and a half to two years of uh, construction uh, before you start to get occupants in there, et cetera. So you've, you've actually got to do it right at the beginning, two separate analysis. One, which is uh, building it out, how much money you're going to have to raise in order to do that, uh, what the construction costs are going to be, what you think the rent, you know, the rent out for, you got to do all that math. And then you have a whole nother PL, which is when you're done with it and it flips to an operating company and you're actually running the apartment building, uh, you got to look at that PL. What are your operating costs, uh, your mortgage costs, which is going to be your largest payment. And again, it all comes back to cash flow. So uh, modeling that out over you know a minimum of say ten years, so you can you can see what that all looks like. Um, you're going to need that to raise money from investors anyway. Uh, investors going to want to see what that cash flow is going to look like. So um, yeah, so ha- having that model is is crucial, and then setting up again a QuickBooks file that's going to track all of that and make sure that you're on budget, you know, uh, while you're doing that because your investors are going to want reports. Yeah. I'm thinking about this out loud, you know, like we train a lot, how to raise capital. And of course I raise capital for these deals. And sometimes I think maybe I discount the fact that we have a lot of this stuff already set up because, you know, for somebody to, to go into their wallet and say, hey, I want to put $200,000 or whatever amount of money into a project, they've got to feel comfortable that you know what you're doing. And it's kind of an interesting thing because you can be the best front salesperson in the world, but if you can't pull out a P&L or a balance sheet or you can't pull out financial statements, all of that kind of goes out the window. And so that goes for whether or not you're raising capital or whether or not we would kind of phrase it as being bankable as, as an investor. And there are a lot of 
less well-run, well, maybe that's not even the right word, less organized companies that don't have their accounting kind of like the way it should be, not because they're doing anything bad, but because they just haven't focused on it. And then they go to a bank, to a commercial lender to get what are the best rates, right? Like the best rates are commercial lenders that consider you to be a good risk. And sometimes these people, they have to go to hard money lenders because they're not bankable yet, because they don't have their accounting and their finances set up or hey, they haven't filed their tax returns in the last couple of years. Just simple, simple things that at the end of the day, you might not think about until you have to. And then the difference like on these models of whether or not you can get a 5% rate or you have to get a 12% rate, it's, it's enormous, the difference in the profitability just for having your accounting set up the right way. Yeah, I, I think uh, every investor... Every bank knows that each deal has a certain amount of risk in it. Yep. The more that you can make them feel comfortable about the risk that they're taking, uh, the better. And so when uh, when you're able to show them that you've fully thought this through and you've got a, a pretty detailed model and you understand what's about to happen and you've got a budget in place, et cetera, I think that makes them a little bit more comfortable. Absolutely. I mean, I get people that ask me for stuff all the time. And sometimes I look at what they ask me for and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I necessarily feel like it's super relevant, but that's what they feel is relevant yeah. to analyze your business and it's their money. Um, so I could disagree with it, but it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, you can kind of pull out what they need and you have it and it's organized and it's usually, you know, much simpler from there. And I remember the process that we went through again, just talking about going incrementally when we first started, like we weren't bankable yet. Like on day one, we didn't have financial statements. Like we might've filed one tax return and, you know, we had to go to hard money lenders. And, and now we're able, we have so many different um, capital sources. I mean, we're utilizing so many different options based on the need that we have. But for the most part, we're not having issues with any of the sources. I mean, all of the sources view us as a bankable entity, again, in large part because of how the accounting is set up. And, and you've got history that yeah. can prove all of that, right? Yeah. And show all of that. So, um, you know, anybody that thinks they can just, you know, come in and, you know, in 24 hours, they can start making these huge deals and, you know, become bankable it, like that just doesn't happen i mean you guys have been at this for a while and you know you start small you do one then you do your next and you start building up and then after a while it can really start to snowball uh, and that that's where it really starts to pick up and you get excited so we've talked about kind of you know what you've helped us with so far relating to the accounting and um you know finance setup and all that what are some of the big things that you have on your plate for 2023 that you think are going to matter for us to, to kind of continue to take those steps to make things incrementally better? Well, you know, we've always talked about the stuff that is controllable and not controllable. And, you know, this industry has been really just going straight up for the last X amount of years. Mm -hmm. And, um, and we've been riding that and probably not as focused on uh, the expense side of the business or yep. not as focused on um, 
you know, making sure that we eke out every little bit of profit out of a deal. Um, and 2023, I mean, I, you know, I don't have a crystal ball, but it, it seems like it's, you know, going to flatten out a little bit. It's not going to continue skyrocketing, at least in the short term. And so we got to really start focusing on those, on those things and tightening things up. And so that's where accounting will really start to, to dive in and, and look at expenses that maybe we just hadn't looked at before because they it, it, it wasn't a big enough dollar amount. Well, now everything's a big enough dollar amount. Let's, let's get in there and really start tightening things up and, and running even more efficiently than we already are. Yeah, me and you talked about this, and this I think is just the nature of business, right? When When business is good, you expand and you take on some expenses that may not be giving you ROI and then business starts to change a little bit and you're like, wait, wait a second, why do I have this membership for $1.99 a month that I haven't used in, in six months? And six months ago, it shouldn't have been the focus because saving $2,000 in a year meant almost nothing. And again, you can scale these numbers up or down to fit you know, however big your numbers are, but you know, you may have a, a membership for 20 bucks a month that you're like, you were just so busy, you didn't have time to to focus on it. And that's another thing I think we've done this pretty much every year, which is like these this last week of the year to me is a great time to not only plan for 2023, but to go through your budget. And we've been we've been doing that for the last month or so and just saying, hey, do we need this? Do we need this? Does this still make sense to to utilize the service or or whatever. Um, yeah, most of those things you can always put back, right? Yeah. If, if the forecast that you did was too conservative and things are flying high, you uh, you put back those expenses. So um, we talked about this offline and I think it's kind of like a funny topic because I think a lot of people, they read, they read a book or they hear somebody say, you know, like, you know, real estate has great tax advantages and it does. And, you know, a lot of us, you know, entrepreneurs, we get into our head that like, okay, all of a sudden we're going to be in real estate and we're never going to pay taxes again. And there's going to be these like magical kind of mythical things. And there are some really great tax benefits, but what's the simplest piece of advice you can give to a business owner when it comes to finding out what those tax benefits are? Yeah, find a tax expert <laughs> in your area. Um, you know, the, the tax code is one of those things that it just seems like it's always changing. There's always some other loophole that, that's there, or there's yeah. some new rule, rule that closed a, a loophole that everybody was banking on two years ago. And so um, those guys are are special. I mean, they're they're focused in one area. You know, not every doctor is a surgeon, right? Well, in accounting, uh, you know, I consider myself more of an operational sort of CFO. But when it comes to tax matters, I will reach out to our tax professionals um, and uh, talk to them, particularly on, on big deals. Talk to them, make sure that you understand the tax implications for sure. Uh, it's, it's well worth the money. Yeah, and this is something that going back to, you know, the Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Kiyosaki advice, he actually has specific books with his advisors. And, you know, you want to know some stuff, I think, about the tax code. You want to have a general understanding, hey, you know, what's a 1031 exchange or what's depreciation? 
But at the end of the day, you can't be an expert in all of these different fields. And if you try to, and you're spending most of your time thinking about taxes, you're probably not spending your time thinking about revenue and growing your business. You know, to just echo off what you said that not every doctor's a surgeon, not every CPA who does taxes knows real estate. So I would specifically want a referral. And if any of our listeners need a referral to a good tax person that knows real estate, just reach out to me directly. But, um, you know, people get good at what they work on. And there are entire tax practices pretty much dedicated to working with people in real estate. I'd be cautious about like not just asking, hey, a friend for a referral, or like definitely just don't walk into like an HR block and expect that you're gonna, you know, have have get the best kind of guidance. Um, when you're a business owner, you want to make sure that the person who's doing your taxes is a specialist in your particular industry. Um, and like Kevin said, he's been in accounting for a long time and he's not a tax special specialist. So be careful thinking like every, and this goes with every type of advisor. You know, uh, I used to think this incorrectly when I first started, like, hey, you're an attorney, so you know how to do closings and you know how to do litigation, you know how to do, and then, you know, you realize, but if you don't know that yet, you really want to have as much specialization as possible. So what would be, like, if you had to give, because you've worked with a lot of startups and a lot of people who are listening or like newer to being business owners and stuff like that. What's the best piece of advice related to accounting or finance or taxes that you could give to somebody who's like in that beginning phase of, of growing or in their first couple of years? I would say probably just making sure that everything is analyzed, tracked, and it's all about cash. In those beginning years, it can be very difficult to find cash. So when you have it, where do you recommend looking for it? Is there a specific place? It's it can be very difficult because yeah. um, you know at the beginning you know borrowers won't uh, you know banks are tough to go to uh, you know everybody wants um, personal guarantees on stuff so you know if you if if you're young and you just started out and you got your own personal house like. People are going to want you to put that up as a personal guarantee. Yep. Um, that's why, you know, I'm, I'm always amazed with entrepreneurs because, you know, people will say, oh, they got lucky. That's how they, they didn't get lucky. They went out there and they took the risk. There is risk here. That's what's very impressive about entrepreneurs that are going out and doing that is they're willing to take those risks and you're going to have to, but cash isn't always going to be there for you. Be smart with it and um, watch every penny. Do some stuff on your own. If something needs to be fixed, fix something on your own if you can, mm -hmm. um, you know, rather than hiring an expensive contractor. I mean, really cash, 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 because that is what's going to allow you to invest in your next property. Mm -hmm. And uh, at some point that will start to snowball. Um, but watch the cash. Well, I want to thank you for, for coming on. And I want to remind our listeners, um, obviously, we do all of this stuff, training on a weekly basis. We give you guys a lot of tools for free. But if you're serious about taking your real estate investing business to the next level, 
I'd like you all to at least take the opportunity to jump on a call with me to discuss the inner circle. You can do that by going to www.agentinvestorinnercircle.com. And we'll jump on a call and we'll talk about specifically what your real estate investing goals are. And we'll put together an action plan of what you can do in the next 12 months to actually achieve those goals. Now, if you want more individual one-on-one -on -one help, if you want to partner with us on deals, if you want access to all of our systems, all of our resources, all of our staff, if you want us to go on face-to-face -face seller appointments with you, help comp properties for you, and really treat you like a partner in our business, then I would recommend strongly jumping on that inner circle call. We can talk about whether or not you're a fit, whether there's a mutual fit for both of us to work together. But if you love what we do for free, and you want more help, and you want to move faster in the business, again, schedule a call at www.agentinvestorinnercircle.com. For those of you who have listened to me before, I mean, I've paid hundreds of thousands of dollars in coaching myself. Coaching is a shortcut. Um, there is nobody who's on this call that can't figure this stuff out all on their own, but working with somebody one-on-one, -on -one, it's a shortcut to your success. And it can help you shave off years of what it takes to do on your own and prevent you from making mistakes in your business that can cost you in real estate hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars over the course of your business. So again, if you're interested in jumping on a call, getting a free strategy session and learning more about how to work with us on an individual basis, go to www.agentinvestorinnercircle.com. Kevin, what else do you have going on for today? Anything good? Nope. Uh, my day's over. I'm done. Beautiful. 11, yeah. 11.45. You're done for the day. Pretty good gig. I should have became, <laughs> or I should have stuck with it, I should say. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, we'll be back again next week with another episode of Agent Investor. Again, Agent Investor is the only brand out there that helps real estate agents get off the real estate roller coaster. Stop worrying about when your next commission check is going to come in. Make sure you have passive income coming in each and every month to offset the commissions when they're not there. All right, guys, we'll be back again next week. And Kevin, thank you for jumping on. Thanks again for listening to the Agent Investor Podcast. And especially thank you for sharing the show with other agents and reviewing the show on iTunes. Every time you share the show and leave a review, you are potentially changing someone's life. To get free weekly education, strategies, and to connect with other agent investors across the country, join our free Facebook group at agentinvestor.com. Again, that's agentinvestor.com.